Hello, and welcome to the Carry On Regardless episode of Carry On Up The Misses. I'm Christopher, and this is The Misses. Hello, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading our podcast. I hope you enjoy it. We've just finished watching the uh, fifth Carry On film, Carry On Regardless, so let's get Fiona's immediate views on it. I really enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah, I loved the concept was very different from the previous formal setups. Mm. I thought it was ingenious um, because you could have so many different scenarios and characters and tiny stories in it. Mm-hmm. That um, And also I like the idea of them setting up a business and you were kind of rooting for them, rooting for it to be a success. So I really enjoyed the concept of it. Great. So, I mean, there really only was one storyline with all the little sort of sketches, if you yeah. like, coming off it. But it sounds like you really enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. Well, that's good. There was no pathetic love interest. There was nothing that got me riled mm-hmm. in that respect. <laughs> well, suggesting there may be things that got you riled in other respects. Wow. Now, time, <laughs> before we get to it was a different time, uh, um, I have to say, you, I wasn't sure if you really were laughing all the time, but you certainly seemed to react more to this than you yeah. had to, to any others. And I think possibly the biggest reaction that you got uh all throughout the film was the sort of one storyline that wended its way through the film, mm-hmm. which was the landlord. I thought that was very impressive. So you've never you've never come across Stanley Unwin before. Is that what he does? That's that is the, that is what Stanley Unwin. It's called Unwinese. Oh no, I didn't know that. Ah, um, but I don't know a lot of things. Um, but it was very impressive because <laughs> you could kind of follow what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, the gist of it, but just keeping it up and all that, yeah. Yeah. I want no, well, the, he just kind of developed it himself, and um, he was actually he actually worked for the BBC as a technician, uh-huh. um, and to test out some equipment, as I understand it, he did some recordings of this gobbledygook speech that he did, um, and somebody heard it and gave him a job and. Uh, I'm, I, I, it, it suddenly it struck me thinking about this. I'm not really sure quite how famous he was. Like he's just in the credits there, and okay? he wasn't Anne Stanley Unwin. Mm. Um, so you know, and I've in known what him other from. Context would it be useful? Well, generally he came on to you know like variety programs and did five minutes of Unwinnies. Oh, I see. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the, the yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, he turns up on a number of films doing that kind of part, whereas right. this, this guy just speaks rubbish. Mm. But it is slightly understandable. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if English is a foreign language, um, if you like. So, as I say, I'm not but sure... But I can imagine it's not that far away from someone speaking Cockney to someone who is oblivious to yeah. the colloquialisms. Or, indeed, Doric. The Doric, yeah. yes. Uh, my family are from the northeast of Scotland, where there's a dialect uh, called the Doric, um, which is quite impenetrable. Uh, when spoken it, it, it at speed. And it, it similarly, you catch the gist of what's being mm-hmm. said without maybe understanding why you keep swapping words with other words. Yes. Well, or putting it well. Yes, you, there are words that are different to the words in English. Yes. Um, and when Fiona first met members of my family, um, she was somewhat 
confused with what was going on and smiled politely, didn't you? Yeah, Faye found that hilarious. <laughs> oh, well. I le- I've learnt it now. I'm mm-hmm. bilingual. Yes, well, that, well, there's a lot in that, actually. You know, can the different dialects from within, you know, the UK... It is like being bilingual, and, and I mean, my mother tells stories about you know it literally being beaten out of them at school. When in fact, you know, it should you know, mm. if a kid could speak French now, that wouldn't be frowned upon. That would be encouraged. It's and, amazing how, for such a small country, mm-hmm. there's so many different dialects mm. that are only hundreds of miles apart. Mm-hmm. Well, even less than that, if you think about like London and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. And you know that the accents can be different, you know, within streets, and folk can tell literally to oh, the yeah, street. Some, well, Henry Higgins. Henry Higgins. <laughs> I don't think it's quite so true now because I think it's kind of from a time before mass media, because now we're all, you know, we all have RP to copy. Uh, cosmopolitan Sarsi. Mm-hmm. Lots of different nationalities. Mm hmm. Anyway, so Professor Family Unwin mm-hmm. uh, was a definite hit uh, with you. Um, out of our regulars, who did you uh, enjoy uh, the most, the least, etc.? Well, I was very happy to see the Sid James laugh, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure we've seen before. I don't. I think that was the first proper, the two first proper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but certainly when after he was inspecting the nurses, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's my childhood. <laughs> Um, well, even though Hattie Jakes wasn't in it at all, really, yeah, her wide eye stare thing—that's mm-hmm. brilliant, isn't it? Um, she but, was. She thought she had another job, which is why she didn't take. Oh right, so she, she also would, didn't like the fact that she was she was offered the matron, and she thought it wasn't a very good part. Again, it wasn't a very big part, and she. Thought she had another job, but the other job fell through, and so they kind of didn't. Op- in something that we'll, you'll see will crop up again, it's like grudges are kind of held. It's like, right. well, you're not getting the matron now, I, so I you'll be the sister. She was as much of a part as the matron was, mm-hmm. and much, much less really. Um, uh, see, I need the the uh, iPad. You need the I iPad with the picture. I know they're really famous, but I can't remember names. <laughs> Here we go. So, uh, yeah, no, she was great. Joan Sims. Joan Sims, that's it. Um, I actually liked, I, I've always liked him. Kenneth Connors' character. Kenneth Connors' character. I, I liked him probably more in this one than the last one. He, I think, I think even more than the than perhaps Teacher, he's really the star here. Mm, he get, yeah. He's got a lot of time. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Williams, I did enjoy, but he's playing the same character again. But I, th- I think this is the most he's been Kenneth Williams so far. He's yeah. really become the Kenneth Williams character that we love, don't we? We're not sure if we love him or not. Well, I... I Come on, the, the, Kenneth Williams taking a monkey for a walk. No, that was How good. can that not be... No, that was amazing. that was done well. No, I did enjoy that. Now, I, we could have had more of him. Charlie Hawtrey. But... What he did, I think he did well. There's mm-hmm. certainly some laughs. And... You got you got quite a few laughs from him. Yeah, I've always liked um, him. I'm trying to see what the... Oh, hulking great brute. Yes. That got a big laugh. The whole boxing thing, I think he did very well. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to like the rest of them. Sorry. All right, okay. Well, well... Let's just go through some of the uh, the laughs there. Uh, 
one, the next one was Kenneth Connors. Uh, why me? Why me? And I know. He'd basically been hired, well, the first of the sort of dodgy jobs, if you like, was the fact that Kenneth Connor had basically been hired by uh, Miss Panting to seduce her and make her husband jealous. Mm-hmm. Comments? <laughs> oh, there was a lot of dodgy jobs in this Helping Hands Society. Um, he was... And also, to be lied to that you're babysitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> and if a man had done that to a woman, it would have been, oh, even exactly. in that day, yeah. frowned upon. Yes, I think it probably would have been. Yes. But apparently it's fine to do it to men. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, there's the woman trying on underwear. Yes. There was the fact that when uh, Joan Sims ended up going to the wrong person, he was all over her in an instant. Oh, yeah, the, the actress, the, uh, Joan Sims thought that she was going to do, to do the beautician thing. The actor had hired somebody to be his dresser. Yeah. And basically, as soon as he realised it was a woman, he presumed that he would be having uh, some sort of relations with her. It was outrageous. Um, what else was outrageous? There were uh, well, uh, not really outrageous, but interesting to me was the fact that at the very beginning, the, the labour exchange, the job centre, was gender split. I know. Is that something that actually happened? I, I, I think it probably might have done. I mean, I can see there's a sort of logic of organisation. These are women's jobs, so these are men's jobs. Yes, yeah. they didn't have to be separate rooms in secrecy, yeah. but they could be different ends of a room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that that was it. Though, maybe in those days particularly, the pay was so different that you well, that's true. So the women seeing what the men got paid for well, the same that, job. That's possibly true, yeah. So, um, but there was other... Though I, what I also quite liked was a Charles Hawtrey character... Ending up being the thrower outer of the script joint. And he just said, Well, the job's a job. I'm up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just love that spirit of. Do you keep calm and carry on, almost. Yes, and also the boxing. You know, the yep, fact that he's a little weed okay, didn't, didn't stop him doing it. But I, I, I found that appealing. How did he lose the boxing? You notice that he lost the boxing glove at some point. Because oh, no. by the end of it, he only had one boxing glove on, I, but I, I, but I didn't that. spot how he'd actually lost it. Uh, I have to say, I think possibly that, that Charles Hawtrey as the chucker out of the strip club, that might be my favourite scene in the whole film, because he thought he was going to look after... Oh, uh, you laughed a lot about the blue tits. Blue tits. <laughs> but it must, been, it must have been difficult to just get the delivery of that absolutely right. Yeah. So that you're not saying blue tits, but you're not saying blue tits. Yeah. It'd be just right. And, the, and I think the last line of that scene gets Ooh, a bit, yes. gets a bit, gets no, a bit I, lost in the cut. No, I loved it. Oh, I couldn't take my auntie <laughs> here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, see, uh, again, used quite sparingly, but all was good when he pitches up. Yeah. Uh, is, is, old, uh, is old Charlie. And um, there was something with him doing the window cleaning that I thought was... Oh, yeah, he was, uh, that was in the ideal home or the yeah. ideal house exhibition. So, the ideal house exhibition generally I really enjoyed. All right. Um, I think it's more like harking back to Price is Right or something that I used to watch with the women. All right, just demonstrating things. Demonstrating things. Mm-hmm. Um, I always used to love that when you used to, when, you know, sometimes you would go to like markets and there would be stuff like they would be demonstrating like a carpet cleaner. Yeah. And they would have like a carpet and they would like, they'd cover it in muck and everything and they'd sort of put this stuff on and it'd be amazing. 
or they'd be demonstrating like some food gadget. Like that kind of yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And I used to also with like meat options. <laughs> I used to stand there for like ages just watching, you know, these guys selling off, you know, sausages and cuts of beef and pork and that kind of thing. I don't know if you still get that. I don't see it very much when you go to to that kind of market anymore. Well, I think the other thing I loved about those scenes was. Um, their enthusiasm for it all, and not just because it was a job and they were trying mm. to make the most of it. I think they obviously did want to show off these mm. things. Um. An interesting storyline to have at that time, because, you know, this is made in 1960, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, a year after you've never had it so good. So, you know, there wasn't mass unemployment or anything. Yeah, I mean... So, you know, it wasn't like this was a story that, you know, people, like, well, you know, like the full Monty film was, you know, Lots of people going out of work because they end a heavy industry, etc. Um, as far as I'm aware, the sort of late 50s, early 60s was not a time particularly like that. But, but yes, and I quite—I mean, when you got to, when you saw the title, you mm-hmm. still had no idea what it, what it was about. Mm-hmm. But towards you know, in reflection at the end, I was just like, well, what else would you call it? They would do anything regardless. Yeah, but also carry on regardless is a. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of them are phrases, but mm-hmm. um, they can mostly because they're carry on films. No, but um, <laughs> carry on sergeant and that kind of thing yes, was that a thing, thing before so, they. And people do say carry on nurse. Yeah, yeah. Carry on constable. I don't think anybody says carry on teacher. No, but yes, yeah, so carry on regardless was was good in that mm-hmm. that frame mm-hmm. as well. Um, let's have a look. Yes, there. The Sid laughing. Um, oh, the one thing I wanted to say was it was nice to see cross dressing the other way around when she oh, was in the wardrobe. In the wardrobe. Yeah. And, and she pretended to be a, a, work, a workman yeah. inspecting a wardrobe. Because it, it's right that that should be as funny as mm. the man dressing as a woman. That was, you know, that, that came at the end of a scene in which she had been modelling two different kinds of I know, of I know. I'm not saying the whole scene was. It was that didn't balance the whole scene, but I'm just saying. It, and, it, and also in a film where, first of all, nurses were physically inspected by a doctor, and even if we accept that, they didn't have to be quite as undressed as they were. And I'm sure they're not. They wouldn't have worn <laughs> as fancy underwear as that. You do realise that every single man in Britain thinks that that is what a nurse is wearing under her uniform at all times. Yeah, well, whatever gets you through the tough times. <laughs> I'll just rest here, as, uh, as Sid said, for a while. <laughs> and um, the woman with the birds. Yes, the woman with the birds. Uh-huh. Was it just me, or did she have the worst Scottish accent ever? <gasps> She's she actually Scottish, Scottish. <laughs> Do you recall Rent-A-Ghost? I do recall Rent-A-Ghost. Do you recall Hazel the McWitch? No. Oh, well, she was Hazel the McWitch in Rent a Ghost. Right, okay. Molly Weir, she's quite a famous Scottish, a famous person famous for being Scottish. Did you Scottish. think her accent was fine? Yeah, because I thought that was Molly Weir. Uh, so that is, that is <laughs> just the way she speaks? Yeah. Oh, I just thought she was trying to put on a character. All oh, right. No, no, that is, that's genuine. That was just me. That is genuine. Um, I've got, I've got it written down here. Well, I wasn't quite sure if you actually laughed at the chimps tea party or not. Or if it well, was just I was a... just building up to something that I thought was obviously going to happen that didn't happen. Which was? Which was all the chimps. Moving Be- a piano? 
<laughs> no, all the chimps mucking together, and then him not knowing which chimp was his chimp. Yes, because all the chimps were dressed the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought that they're all going to mix in and he won't know which ah. one before we even saw they were all dressed the same. Mm-hmm. So when I saw they were all dressed the same, well, I was definitely going. So I was more caught up in that. So, ah. um. You didn't like, I, I thought, I think the best line there is the cabbie. Um, because he says, well, can you take us to wherever? And the cabbie says, I'll take you, but not your brother. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You clearly didn't. Fine. Um, Oh yes, right. This is this is in a scene. This is from a scene which I described as fags are great, which was Kenneth Connor trying to give up fags. Well, see, I wrote down a comment about that mm-hmm. because I would say for its era, mm-hmm. it is probably quite unusual for any honesty about the difficulties, the difficulties of, of cigarettes. The the fact that you would want to give them up because it was still mm-hmm. an era where people were prescribed yeah, them uh-huh. or whatever. Um, and that it was really impossible to give you give it up mm-hmm. and sort of expose them for the addictive elements that they are. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's probably quite a bit cutting edge. Mm, it could have been. But apart from the the final line of um, Joan Sims having no drawers, no sweets, no drawers. Mm-hmm. Um, what was point of com- of scene? A little bit for Joan Sims and Kenneth Connor to do together. Maybe. But, I mean, yes, there wasn't really that much of a storyline. None mm-hmm. of it needed to be there. I but mean, for all you say about, you know, revealing the addictive qualities of fags, mm-hmm. when he went out and got the, the new set of fags, he did have, he did take, you know, rapturous pleasure in a single draw of it. Oh, that's certainly something you wouldn't see on television these days, no, is it? No, no. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the whole thing smacked. I think we've grown up with the concept of smoking being a dirty secret. Mm-hmm. That the idea that it's either out there positive or out there negative mm-hmm. is probably unusual for us. Okay. All right. Uh, yes, that was that. That was the, the next one after that was. Um, Sorry, what category? Are you? This is this is the time you laugh. So I just. Oh really? Yeah. Did I laugh at the? You drawers? laughed at no drawers. Mm. Yeah. Um. Uh, Ken getting uh, Kenneth uh, Williams getting um emotionally involved in the German translation. You you seem to quite like that as well. I liked it when he was translating the ah. And crying and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> things that didn't need translating. Uh, Hulking great brute. Um, uh, oh, I, I like this bit too. Um, the uh, Kenneth Connor gets sent to the fourth bridge. Oh yes, it's by uh, spy thirty nine steps spoof. Um, what about brainwashing? Oh they, yeah. How can they wash what isn't there? <laughs> that got a good laugh. Yeah. Um, and trying the wrong door, wrong side of the door for the doorknob. That's so slapstick, which perfect is not of, me. Perfect but he bit of physical comedy. Right. Yeah. And, and you, there's just the setup of him being all smooth and sophisticated mm-hmm. and then fucking up. And that's kind of what I do all mm-hmm. the time. And was, see, there was uh, another bit of slapstick that you liked there was when he was looking at himself in the mirror with the voiceover and it told you <laughs> when you jump, make every muscle, let every muscle go slack and collapse. Not now, you fool. <laughs> that was. Brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I like that. Um, 
I like that whole that whole uh, sequence was was very well done. I thought. And, well, uh, you have a fondness for the fifty-nine steps. <laughs> and the fourth wasn't it interesting to see the fourth bridge fifty years ago because mm. we don't live a million miles from the fourth bridge. But did you realise that he fell into a puddle of sewage? No. Did you realise that? Well, what else would it be? Oh, beside a railway track. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I mean, it could be rain. I don't think there's that much space between the tracks and the fourth bridge, to be honest. There was a, in fact, in that scene as well, he spoke about, I thought that might have uh, excited you a bit. Um, Scotland, lots of hydropower going on there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that might have been playing into your. Uh, into but your again, why do they suddenly jump to nuclear? Um, right, yes. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, when, he, again, Kenneth Connor as the um, sort of servant guy in the gentleman's club. The when wig the coming came, off. It's so obvious. I enough. know, and so slapstick, yeah. but I just so find it funny. Um, yep, then we've got blue tits. <laughs> And I've got one more thing. I can't quite make it. Did I laugh at Blue You laughed at Blue I Tits? think I was laughing at you laughing at oh, it. Right. I, I did laugh at it, I have to say. Quite a lot. Um, I'm trying to think what this last bit is. I don't know. I can't, I can't make that out now. Something about... Well, maybe when they fell down the stairs and you laugh when they fell yeah. down the stairs in the, in the house at the end. I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> um... I take it it's, it's sufficient laughs for it to be seen as oh yeah oh, definitely loads well you've said it was I mean but was it the most laughs out of all the films I think I think it's the most laughs you've found out of the films it, it, do you think it's the best of the films that you've seen it might be might well be mm. yeah. interesting uh, can we just alight briefly on the sign above the um, one of the houses in the ideal see, house I didn't exhibition see this sorry everything for the uh, what was it? Everything bachelor for the, gay. Everything for the bachelor gay, yes. Not really, of course, because the guy was looking for a popsy cupboard. Patrick Cargill was looking for a popsy cupboard. No, we didn't have, um, Ding Dong. Leslie Phillips. Why no. was he not there? He, he would be a popsy cupboard. Don't know why he wasn't there, but he wasn't. No, he was missed. But he wasn't. Was there uh, anyone else that was missed? Well, we can go through that in a minute. Um... Yes, the very strange guy who was phoning the marriage agency for a wife. Literally to get a wife. <laughs> that was odd, wasn't it? Wouldn't it be just like a clubby bride? Well, it's not quite. I, I, I believe Fiona is referring to. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I think you. The, the clubby is like the Keys catalogue. The Littlewoods catalogue. So, so therefore, if you order your wife out of a catalogue as I think is the stereotype of what goes on. Uh, they may be referred to as a clubby bride by some. Um, by my husband. Not, normally, no, normally, not, not I like the phrase from you. Not, not anybody specific. <laughs> just and normally generally. thought of as foreign. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I have under It Was a Different Time was when they were in the office idling away the hours... The men were playing cards. And the women were knitting. Were winding wool. Oh, they winding wool. They were well. winding wool. Oh, wasn't that just dandy? Right. 
what do we think then? Let's what, 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 what we'll do next. Um, right, so let, let's have a look at the people who are in it. Did they do well? Did they do badly? We've done that bit. Have we? Well, we I just said I liked the top row and Hattie Jakes, and I don't really... And the gobbledygook guy. Mm-hmm, Stanley on one. And I'm not really... That Did you recognise anybody? Well, actually, before we go into that, um, first of all, is McCannon as Miss Cooley? You must have liked her. No. No? No. Oh, dear. Uh, right, did you recognise anybody from, not from being in the carry-on films? Oh, from not carry-on films. I'm looking, because there's nothing springing to mind. Uh... What about the man with the German wife? No. He was Bergerac's father-in-law. I never watched Bergerac. Oh, no, you don't recognise him. Um, what about the man who took a shine... To Joan Sims at the wine tasting. Now he does look familiar. That is because he is the Parsons, Nicholas Parsons. That's it. I knew it was someone who's now old. <laughs> well, <laughs> given how many of them are dead, if those who aren't dead are all old. Uh, became famous in, to me when they were old. Mm. Probably when they were young. <laughs> uh, okay, will we go for who's dead then? Okay. Right. Sid James. Sid. Kenneth Connor. Dead. Uh, Charles Hawtrey. Dead. Joan Sims. Dead. Kenneth Williams. Dead. Bill Owen. Dead. Hardly in the film at all. Was he... He was one of the helping hands. I know, I know, I know, but was he famous? Was there expectation for him? Well, he'd he'd been in um, Sergeant and Nurse, and then he was dumped for teacher and... Constable. Maybe he doesn't, he's not tone party Liz Fraser. Is she alive? She is alive. What did you think of Liz Fraser? You weren't taken by her at all. I, I didn't. I neither loved her nor hated her. Right. Another one, Terence Longdon as Montgomery Enfield Hoppin. Didn't actually see him do any job. Apart from fall into some... Fell into the bath, uh, yeah. showed off the bachelor, the bachelor group. I've never had a bit of uh, love for him. Mm-hmm. Love her. And I love the fact that her fate, wherever you got these pictures from, is the white house. Yes. Ed McCannon, you could take or leave apparently. That's Terence Alexander. Oh, do I not have an opinion? Oh, do you have an opinion on Terence Alexander? That is a little. Uh, Little opinion. Don't know. Uh, Stanley Unwin. Impressive. Would you have him back? Well, if he only does that one thing, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Well, how's that different from Charles Hawtrey as Charles Hawtrey, Kenneth Williams as Kenneth Williams? Yeah, but it's the novelty of that, that that took me this time. I wonder if it was... If you're watching that in four films' time, I know, he speaks gobbledygook. Yeah. Get on with it. Uh, Joan Hickson? Never particularly taken to her. Betty Marsden. As no, the, I quite liked her. She was good. She only had one scene. I know. With the lazy she, eye. Yeah, but she was able to do that eye thing mm-hmm. with us realising that it was a affliction. A yeah. Yeah, and... But also doing it for him. Yeah, no, it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Fielding as Penny Panting. I think maybe I just hated the scene so much that I can't like her. Okay. David Lodge as one of the uh, wine tasting. Mm-hmm. You don't recognise him, he turns up in a lot of things. 
Maybe. But he's dead. I, 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 but, oh, but, oh, we've, we've kind of moved yeah. away from who's dead. Well, they're all dead. They're all well, They're not all dead. Who's not dead? Penelope Fielding's not dead. Okay, all dead. David Lodge is dead. The Parsons are not dead. Yet. Well, everybody's not dead yet. I know, but you know what we do. We talk about someone. And then they die. I know. Die. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a very dangerous uh, <laughs> this podcast we have to do. There's not very few of them who are still alive. Uh, Cyril Chamberlain as a policeman who took Kenneth Williams away. You will recognise him. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Norman Rossington was the um, referee of the boxing match. Dead. Tom Clegg as the, uh, as, uh, what's he called now? Uh, Mighty, Mighty Mitch. Mickey McGee. Yeah, maybe. Any good? No. Did you have him back? No. Alright. And Molly Weir as the bard lady. Well, I didn't like her because I thought she had a rubbish Scottish accent. So that other than a real Scottish accent, yeah, that shows what I know. Okay, all right. Uh, so um, we've done who's dead and who's not. Uh, next question, final question. Unless you have any other thoughts. No. Final question is: uh, Do we carry on? Of course we do. Hooray! Uh, so. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, our email address is carryonpodcast at gmail.com and we are on Twitter at at carryonpodcast uh, but uh, for now from me, Christopher and the missus bye bye carry on, carry on. <laughs>